You're listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 13th of December, 2023. On Market Day, we'll speak with James Gerrish from Shaw and Partners for his take on the opportunities to look out for in 2024. But first, to the government's mid-year economic and fiscal outlook, updating the bottom line for this financial year from a $13.9 billion deficit to a smaller $1.1 billion deficit. That's thanks to a rise in revenues from both taxes and from rising commodity prices. And it comes as the government's forecast for near-term inflation has risen a little. And for more on that and the economic impact, I spoke with Brendan Rin, Chief Economist at KPMG. Mayfair is now suggesting that the Australian economy is really just limping forward in the rest of this financial year. There's been a revision downwards in GDP, uh, down to one and three quarter percent for financial year 24, uh, and then a slight revision upwards into financial year 25 uh, of about two and a quarter percent. Now that's operating uh, well below long run average, and it's just suggesting that monetary policy is um, seriously biting. Uh, in the economy, particularly around consumption expenditure. I have seen, though, a commentary which says that um, it shows another larger-than-expected boost to revenues with smaller deficits um, now. Um, So where's the money coming from? So in essence, what you're seeing is that with the incredibly low levels of unemployment, the government's now achieving very high levels of personal income tax receipts. So what we're seeing is the fact that there's been a resilience within the labour market is now generating tax receipts over and above what the government had anticipated only six months ago. We all know, though, that the unemployment rate will eventually rise. Is there a threat to the government's forecasts if um, what happens to the labour market is worse than expected? There is, but what there's also been is quite realistic assessment of where the unemployment rate is going to go over the short term. An expectation of an unemployment rate peaking at around mid 4.5%. And at the moment, that suggests that there's still some way to go with regards to numbers of job losses over the short term. Even with that increase in the unemployment rate, we're still getting pretty strong growth in tax receipts and a moderation in government spending. Okay, what about the um, the way the government is working with the RBA? Are they working hand in hand to um, make sure that inflation comes down? In other words, is there any part of this update that's inflationary? I, I don't think this current update is any more inflationary than what was had in the previous budget. Now, what we're seeing, though, is that government spending still is very high. Government spending on infrastructure is still very high, and that is adding to pricing pressures within the economy. I'm sure the Reserve Bank would prefer that the government cut spending uh, even more than what it's proposed within my info, uh, so that it takes some of the pressure out of domestic demand, particularly around wages growth that's adding to services inflation. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, it's not adding any more to inflation but it's just meaning that inflation is taking longer to come down than possibly could be the case. Finally, what does this update say about the outlook for interest rates? Unfortunately, what this outlook does suggest is what most market commentators, including ourselves, have been saying is that rates are going to stay higher for longer. 
Now, I don't necessarily think that we're going to have another cash rate increase. But what we will see, though, is a continued increase of interest rates being charged by the banks as their wholesale funding costs increase for a variety of reasons over the next couple of months, including the fact that the term funding facility provided by the Reserve Bank during COVID is now going to run out and swapping from cost of funds of 0.1% of a percent um, to at least 4.5% um, means that there's a, uh, an average increase of around 25 basis points for the banks who have used that term funding facility. That's the equivalent of one Reserve Bank movement. Now, uh, what we will see, however, is that the Reserve Bank probably hold the cash rate where it is um, at least for the next six to nine months and probably start to pull it down towards the end of next year. Brendan Rin there, Chief Economist at KPMG. Now, Market Day on the SBS On The Money podcast. The Australian share market rose today. The S&P ASX 200 up 0.3% to 7,257. For more, I spoke with James Gerrish from Shaw & Partners. Yeah, a combination of things, Ricardo. I think probably low volumes uh, coming into Christmas, but we've had a uh, pretty solid rally in iron ore stocks and broader commodities. So that's been a, uh, a highlight for the market today. Before we talk about iron ore, uh, macro themes, US inflation in line with expectations down uh, from 3.2% annually to 3.1%. What does that say about the US economy and the, more importantly, the implication for interest rates? Because we know the Fed meets tomorrow. Yeah, they do. I mean, to give you some context around US inflation, it peaked in June of 22, um, above 9%. So down here at 3.1%, it's been a big uh, move in the right direction. Um, bond markets, so expectations around interest rates have uh, moved a lot in that period as well. So um, the US two-year bond yield is down sort of 50 basis points, 0.5% from the recent highs. So there's no change expected uh, tonight over in the US around interest rates. The key to tonight's um, discussion is going to be around their economic projections. So the Fed dot plot uh, and also the commentary coming out of the uh, press conference following the meeting. So the market, if I look at where market expectations are, the market's pricing over 1% of interest rate cuts in 2024. So the market's well and truly turned to a more dovish stance. How does Australia compare? Because uh, inflation here is still dramatically higher. What's interesting, though, is yesterday the RBA Governor Michelle Bullock said, quote, Australia isn't falling behind the rest of the world in its fight against inflation. Does the market believe that? Yeah, it seems to. So bond markets are telling us that that the market certainly believes that. If you think about when our inflation level peaked, we're in December of 2022. So uh, after the the peak in US uh, inflation over there. So um, we rightly point out we're at at high levels still. We're above, you know, we're mid fives from an inflation perspective here. Uh, In Q3, the Q4 number, which will be out in January, is expected to show a number sort of mid fours. So we're tracking in the right direction. Our bond markets, which are forward-looking instruments, uh, they're pricing an interest rate. Um, you know, they've come back about 50 basis points, half a percent as well, in line with their US peers. So um, we're not pricing the uh, aggressive nature of cuts yet in 2024, um, but we're getting there. So there's some uh, cuts being priced in next year uh, for the RBA. Obviously, inflation is going to be key to that, um, but we're tracking in the right direction, Ricardo. 
You mentioned earlier those um, iron ore stocks doing really, really well today. Ford is you at a record high. Rio Tinto, it's high since July 2021. Can you run us through it? Because I know that the iron ore price has been doing really well lately. We also heard from the government and it's uh, my EFO update today. Um, it's seeing revenues rise thanks to higher commodity prices. I think the iron ore price right now is 135. The government expected it to be 60. <laughs> they weren't the only ones getting it wrong. So the bulk of analysts, so uh, what we call consensus, uh, had iron ore um, trading sort of around that $80 a tonne. So it's a, it surprised many uh, in the market, and that's probably one of the reasons why uh, the likes of Fortescue and Rio have been so strong. So you know, in September, Fortescue was trading around $19. It's now 27 higher today. So it's been a pretty uh, significant run. I think there's a couple of things at play here. Um, firstly, obviously, China, the Chinese property market's been front and centre. We're all concerned about that. But that's not the only engine that drives the, the Chinese economy. Automobile, automobile manufacturing has been uh, really strong. Uh, infrastructure development has been particularly strong over there. But also China's a, um, you know, a big exporter of steel globally. So uh, global economic conditions have held up a lot better than perhaps uh, the government had uh, thought they would, as well as many analysts out there. So you, know, you put all of those things into um, the mixing pot, uh, and you've got iron ore trading a lot higher than many expected, uh, and the likes of Fortescue trading at all-time highs, as you may mention of. Uh, one of the big stories to come out in recent days is that of Sigma. Um, it's returned to the market today in spectacular form, shares up around 70% at one stage following news of its proposal to merge with Chemist Warehouse. What's your take on this? And is there still a risk, though, that the A-C-C could block the deal from going through? Yeah, this, this is a big deal. It's an interesting deal. Um, to put some numbers around uh, what uh, Sigma will look like post the acquisition, if it goes through of Chemist Warehouse, uh, it'll be just shy of $9 billion market cap. Um, Sigma before the deal was about a $1.5 billion market cap. Um, it'll be just a shade smaller than Qantas. Uh, it'll be slightly bigger than the likes of Treasury Wines, uh, Seek, Ampol. Um, so it's a big deal. Um, there is still the concern that uh, the ACCC will have an issue with it. Um, it does change the competitive landscape out there. And, and, and today's trading has been, um, you know, it, the huge range that we've had today, it's been a 35% trading range today. It shows how, um, I guess, the indecision out there around what's going to transpire, particularly from an index point of view. So this will mean it's something between a 50 and 60th biggest stock uh, on the ASX. Uh, obviously, that has index ramifications. So um, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out from here. Um, and I guess the indecision in the market today is shown through that big uh, variance in prices. It op opened sort of at north of $1.30 uh, and has had a low just below a dollar today. Finally, um, this is the last time I'll speak to you this year, so I'm keen to get your outlook in terms of where do you see the opportunities for investors in 2024? Yeah, I think, you know, what the market's pricing right now is sort of this Goldilocks scenario. So uh, by that, I mean that uh, central banks have done enough to curb uh, the threat of, you know, to curb inflation, to bring inflation back down towards targets. They're not there yet, but they're coming back down towards targets, but they haven't done enough to crimp growth. So, um, you know, that is a really positive backdrop for equity. So if I put on my, um, you know, glass half full view of the world, um, then the Goldilocks scenario plays out in 2024 could be a phenomenal year for equities. Um, if that's the case, uh, then I think there's a couple of areas that would deliver well for investors. Property's been really beaten up in 2023. I think that's going to come back. Um, some of these commodities, so copper's had a 
reasonable, reasonably tough year uh, in 23. I think that'll do well in 24. Um, gold is an interesting place. So in that economic environment, the US dollar trades lower, uh, and then that could be a really positive backdrop for gold. So I'd caution that by saying that we need to say, you know, we need to stay vigilant. Um, there's still a lot to work through from an economic standpoint. So staying vigilant, being active. Uh, but at the moment, we're seeing signs that 2024 could be a really good year for equities, Ricardo. Sean Ge- James Gerrish there from Shore and Partners. This SBS on the Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.